Welcome to Talk Nation Radio, a half-hour discussion of politics as if the people mattered. I'm David Swanson. It is my great pleasure this week to welcome to Talk Nation Radio Greg Shupak. He is the author of The Wrong Story, Palestine, Israel, and the Media, which can be purchased on the website of OR Books, OR Books. He has a PhD in literary studies and teaches media studies at the University of Guelph in Toronto. His fiction has appeared in a wide range of literary journals, and he regularly writes analysis of politics and media for a variety of outlets, including Electronic Intifada, Fairness and Accuracy in Reporting, In These Times, Jacobin, Literary Review of Canada, Middle East Eye, Telesaur, This Magazine, and Warscapes. Greg Shupak, welcome to Talk Nation Radio. Thanks for having me. Uh, thanks for coming on. So your your book, The Wrong Story, which I highly recommend to listeners, is sadly very timely. Uh, how do you think media outlets are doing at covering events in Palestine lately? Um, every bit as bad as ever. And, uh, you know, in some ways, almost, almost worse in a sense, because... Uh, the coverage, um, in particular, in the New York Times, stands out to me, where you have uh, people like uh, Brett Stevens and um, Thomas Friedman um, really openly embracing, and uh, a piece by uh, Rosner uh, is the surname. The first name is escaping me at the moment. Um, these uh, three articles particularly stands out as really unapologetic, open embraces of the massacre of uh, of 60 unarmed Palestinian demonstrators on May 14th. Um, so what we're seeing here is a, a, a very unashamed um, willingness to uh, to not only tolerate but uh, rationalize, justify and uh, and uh, openly endorse uh, this level of, of frankly staggering brutality. Yeah, there's been a, a sort of a tradition of demanding that the Palestinians engage in nonviolent activism, and they would be rewarded, and they would be praised, uh, and they certainly, no one would defend uh, murdering them uh, should they do so. Uh, that doesn't seem to have panned out. Yeah, uh, certainly not. Um, you know, the 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 goalposts sort of shift on what constitutes uh, acceptable uh, Palestinian forms of resistance. And in effect, what we're seeing is that no form of Palestinian resistance is acceptable. So, okay, armed struggle uh, was allegedly unacceptable, according to Western pundits. Um, Set aside that they have the right to do so under international law. Um, But when Palestinians do recently, as they have quite a bit over time, notably uh, during the first intifada, engage in mass uh, unarmed demonstrations, then the definition of you know unarmed gets so watered down that throwing rocks counts as some form of meaningful, serious threat to uh, to Israeli uh, persons, or uh, setting a uh, you know setting a kite on fire is some kind of violence on the same level as uh, Israeli snipers going hunting for Palestinian civilians. 
Indeed. Uh, your your book, The Wrong Story, sort of categorizes some of the types of, uh, of techniques of misleading media consumers. Uh, and the first section uh, looks at this notion of there being two sides, both sides of the conflict, uh, which, despite the reality, uh, has continued to be deployed uh, in in the media coverage in recent weeks, has it not? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, you, this uh, was evident, for example, in the New York Times' editorial board uh, response to the the, the massacre of uh, of May 14th. I mean, it's ludicrous to deploy the idea that uh, somehow Israelis and Palestinians uh, have wronged each other to a comparable extent and are both uh, blameworthy to a uh, roughly equal degree for the absence of peace uh, in in the land in question. Uh, I mean, look, it's not uh, Palestinians who have colonized Israelis. It's not Palestinians who have ethnically cleansed Israelis. It's not Palestinians who uh, have thousands of Israeli political prisoners. It's not Palestinians who have engaged in a you know a 51-year uh, military occupation and a Seven, um, uh, well, I guess we could say a hundred year at least settler colonial process. So, um, you know, to to uh, invoke this both sides approach that the Times did in response to the recent uh, in its coverage of the, the recent massacre, and as we see widely throughout media coverage of the issue, is uh, to erase so many power differentials and to completely obscure the. Uh, uh, you know, the the context in which particular events take place. Which includes, does it not, an incredible contrast in the weaponry possessed and used and in the casualties produced. Oh, sure, yeah. I mean, the, the you know, the Palestinians are obviously not backed by the uh, sole uh, superpower on Earth, right, where Israel receives almost uh unlimited support in the form of you know weaponry but also uh, intelligence sharing and political support and economic support so you know it's completely lopsided in terms of the um weapons available to either side uh and uh it, you know as you say it's also the case that you know the casualty figures are not in any sense um even comparable so i mean the 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 violence that uh, Israel has been perpetrating since the Great Return March began on March 30th uh, is so um, so lopsided that what we what we have is uh, at most one Israeli soldier quote lightly wounded right so I don't I don't know if that's uh, a paper cut or uh, slipping on a banana peel on the way home from work or what but um, you know this is in comparison to. Uh, uh, last I saw, I think it was 117 Palestinians uh, killed by Israel during the same period. Uh, and we can go back through all of the major military incursions into Gaza of the last 10 years and see orders of magnitude more uh, Palestinians killed than Israelis, and in particular, orders of magnitude more Palestinian civilians and children uh, killed than their Israeli counterparts. And it's also worth noting that time after time, the overwhelming majority of cases of violence in uh, across historic Palestine are initiated by Israel. And often they're quite 
uh, you know, quite uh, unashamedly passing up opportunities for for uh, prolonged ceasefires with Palestinians, and in, repeatedly, in fact, killing interlocutors that they've had on the Palestinian side. So, uh, you know, the whole notion that uh, Israel uh, is just merely trying to protect its citizens is belied by the fact that Israel, in fact, uh, initiates so much of this violence, and of course, initiated the whole problem by attempting to colonize Palestine. And yet, uh, Greg Shupak, we are consistently, by major U.S. media, uh, not just uh, misinformed by tricky uses of language, but we are, strictly speaking, lied to and told the exact opposite of what you've just said. We're always told, uh, I mean, if if Israel is depicted as doing anything at all, because, I I mean, it was weeks before I saw a headline that, that had Israel do anything. It was, you know, Palestinians mysterious dying, not Israelis killing them. Uh, but when Israel does do anything, uh, it's, it's always depicted as, as in response. It's always the Palestinians who have started it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and again, I, that's utterly false on, on two levels. One, when we're talking about uh, the, the so-called who drew first blood question. Um, obviously, you know, Palestinians did not... Uh, uh, go to Paris in 1895 and attack Theodore Herzl. Um, rather, Israel and uh, the Zionist movement preceding it decided to attempt to create an ethno-state and succeeded to a large extent across historic Palestine. So that's the kind of macro level. And on the micro level, it's also the case that, um, you know, as you say, media presents uh, you know, Palestinian demonstrations as violent and uh, Israeli responses as, uh, excuse me, and Israeli actions as responses to that supposed violence. So when you, when you describe, when media describes some action as a response or perhaps a retaliation or a reaction, these are justifications for that, right? So, um, you know, if uh, the, the kind of message b- behind that framing of the issue is that basically, look, if someone, you know, bursts into your house and starts attacking you, or even if someone stands outside of your house and starts uh, throwing Molotov cocktails through your window, you have a right to defend yourself, your house, your family, etc. Well, that kind of uh, language, that language of self-defense, has zero application when we're talking about um, a colonizer uh, enacting its will in an effort to uh, violently dispossess and oppress a colonized population who occasionally uh, exercises the legitimate right to defend themselves or even fight back. Uh, we're speaking with Greg Shupak, whose excellent book is called The Wrong Story, Palestine, Israel, and the Media. Uh, Greg, another aspect of this media coverage that you talk about in the book is the the constant use of terms like extremists and moderates, uh, so that it's not so much about uh, actions uh, as uh, as the identity of the two groups. The the, the Israelis are, are moderates acting defensively and rationally and legally, and the Palestinians are 
are extremists and terrorists and acting hatefully. Uh, can you can you talk about how this is done and and what basis, if any, uh, it has to support it? Yeah, well, in the in the present context, we're seeing this a lot because uh, a tremendous amount is being made in the media and among the political class of uh, the uh, role of Hamas in the Palestinian demonstration. So it is the case that Hamas uh, is one of the parties in Gaza, one of the Palestinian parties, uh, the ruling one, in fact, and that, yes, uh, some of their members are participating in the demonstrations, and some portion of the demonstrators are members of Hamas. So, um, you know, the implication behind talking about Hamas all the time is that Hamas is a, you know, violent uh, uh, terrorist organization that only wants to, you know, kill Jewish people because they're anti-Semitic. So, therefore, killing Hamas members or anyone associated with Hamas is okay. It's just Israel protecting itself against these rabid, uh, you know, savage anti—excuse me, anti-Semites. So that's uh, a, a, a really current example that we're seeing. Um, you know, the the whole issue of extremists and moderates is a way of uh, obscuring the underlying problem. So the underlying problem is. Uh, that Israel is a colonial state backed by uh, the world's sole superpower. Uh, Israel got to be how it is because it's a, uh, a proxy, or in large part it got to be this way because it's a, a proxy for America throughout the Middle East and, in fact, beyond. Um, so to cast it as a, a matter of extremist and moderate uh, is flawed in, in several respects. One, because... It occludes the ways in which it's the very essence of the uh, Israeli settler colonial enterprise that uh, produces uh, the violence that takes place. And it's also a problem because uh, it, uh, it, you know, kind of rehearses, or I should say rehashes, um, a lot of the old uh, colonial uh, rhetoric about indigenous populations, whether they're in Africa or in the Americas or anywhere else, about, uh, in this case, Palestinians being, you know, uh, primitive and atavistic lovers who kind of worship violence, uh, atavistic lovers of violence who worship violence for its own sake. Um, you know, these, these kind of racist uh, conceptions are what's mobilized when we talk about the extremists versus uh, moderates. And a third problem with it, uh, there are others, but a third problem with it is that the Palestinian moderates are always meant to be the Palestinian Authority. And the reason the Palestinian Authority it receives you know, much better press, albeit often criticized too, but much better press in the West, is because the Palestinian Authority uh, functions to a very large extent as a proxy for uh, U.S.-Israeli, uh, uh, you know, um, goals in, uh, in Palestine. 
You know, it's it's incredible to me to hear somebody say, oh, almost in these words, oh, it's okay, these people were shot and killed because they were sent there by Hamas. And if you even if you have no idea what Hamas is, if they were sent there by Nazis or Martians, what? How is it okay to murder someone based on the the assertion that some group sent them there to protest nonviolently? It, it's it's incredible to me. I I, I also have had uh, people tell me and have and have seen this line used that uh, the Israelis used bullets as a last resort because they used tear gas first as if as if last resort means murdering someone after you've done something else less than murder <laughs> first it doesn't mean anything related to the word last or the worst word resort it, it, you know it, i mean i i can't imagine these sorts of defenses being being used in the reverse case you know it, it, oh for sure and and certainly they uh, they wouldn't be um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's worth even pointing out if one looks at the, uh, Doctors Without Borders or MSF, uh, reports, there, uh, they had, they had a document on the nature of these bullets and how deadly they are. You know, they, they pulverize bone. These are the injuries, the thousands of injuries that Palestinians who, uh, have not died but been shot, injuries that they're going to, uh, endure are going to be debilitating. Um, so yeah, not a last resort by any stretch of the imagination. Um, a first or second resort. Uh, these are, you know, snipers from uh, 100 plus meters away in uh, who are doing most of the shooting. This is not uh, people who are, you know, being threatened. Um, it, it's uh, always, you know, it's been the Avi Schlame, the uh, highly regarded scholar documents um, in in his book the the iron wall okay so the Avi Shlaim, uh notion of the iron wall is that basically Israel has you know resorted to violence first to force first in dealing with the indigenous population not only Israel but its forerunners in the uh, you know uh, Zionist uh, settlement movement or Zionist colonial movement, I should say, and the pre-state militias. So the strategy of the Iron Wall has been always to resort to overwhelming force first and foremost. And uh, that's, that continues right up to the protests that we're seeing today. Do you think, I, I mean, I may know the answer based on your initial comments on this show, but uh, do you think there have been any bright spots or any improvements? I, I mean, I've seen uh, a couple of clips from, from U.S. cable news shows uh, where either the host seemed to actually give a fairly factual report that, that shocked me, uh, or the guest uh, was allowed, it may never be invited back on, but was allowed to correct every deception and misunderstanding uh, quite uh, quite clearly uh, without being interrupted or, or shouted down. Uh, am, I, am I being overly optimistic? Uh, no, I wouldn't say you're being overly optimistic. I mean, you know, there are cracks in the edifice. <clears throat> uh, Nur Arakat was, um, I, I think, on uh, CBS News, one of the major networks, and is she uh, did an extraordinary job uh she's a, a palestinian um 
uh, legal scholar. She did an extraordinary job, Palestinian-American legal scholar, I should say, did an extraordinary job of debunking um, Israeli talking points. And so that, you know, reaches a sizable audience. The New York Times um, in uh, late April, I guess April 27th, had uh, a piece written by Fadi Abu uh, Shamala, uh, who is uh, a Palestinian based in Gaza, and he was writing about basically why he uh, is taking part in the the Great Return March uh, at extreme danger to his physical well-being. Um, So, you know, that's one piece compared to an litany of horrible pieces in the New York Times that uh, are, you know, practically frothing at the mouth uh, for for uh, violence against Palestinians. But, um, you know, it, it, it's at least something that people can circulate. It's at least something that, you know, can be shown to those who are just coming to understand the issue for the first time or are interested in it and don't know what to make of it. Um, whether it's grounds for optimism, I'm not sure. I think the optimism lies much more uh, in uh, independent media like your show and many, many others and, uh, and and wide range of websites. I think that getting those to a wider audience is much more likely to make a difference on this issue or, or many others than uh, trying to get, uh, you know, try, than trying to increase the portion of honest, quality uh, journalism that's in mainstream media, because as far as I can tell, as long as we're under this structure of uh, commercial media, it's going to be incredibly likely that it's dominated by uh, sort of pro-ruling class uh, biases, and that means pro-colonial violence, pro-imperial violence, pro-racist violence, pro-war. It's it's interesting when I go around and speak to groups about topics related to war and peace. I, I very often and increasingly am asked this question of how do you know what to believe? What sources do you go to? How do you sort through conflicting conflicting claims? Aren't there isn't there just too much of an avalanche of uh, stories? How do you know what's true? Uh, how, Greg Shupak, how do you answer that kind of question? Yeah, it's challenging because uh, it's true. There's a deluge of information out there, and a lot of it's misinformation. Um, you know, I, I, ideally, people wouldn't have to conduct massive research projects in order to uh, come to understand uh, topics that are, frankly, pretty straightforward in a lot of cases, like Israel-Palestine. It's not super complicated. The question is, should the people live there as equals? Or should Israel be able to, uh, you know, in pursuit of uh, uh, of an ethno state, basically uh, artificially maintain a demographic majority and uh, you know use extraordinary levels of violence whenever that demographic majority is threatened? Um, so even a simple case like that gets obscured uh, to uh, to a, a kind of uh, mind-bending extent in mainstream news media. So unfortunately, it does require an extraordinary amount of, uh, of uh, critical thought, attention to detail, uh, consumption of a wide range of sources to be able to uh, make sense of these types of issues. It frankly uh, necessitates a very, very large volume of reading 
And uh, not everybody has time for that, and that's why we need a better media system. I think that better media system exists to a large degree in, um, in the independent media. So I think that people have, uh, you know, if people are to seek a reliable places to get a clear, more honest picture of the world, I'd recommend going to places that are not distorted by commercial interests, by uh, the fact that the writers and editors go to the same dinner parties as the, uh, you know, corporate executives and politicians that they're supposed to be reporting on. So you're going to get, you get something that uh, is, is much less tainted than mainstream media if you, if you go to independent media. Independent media doesn't just mean some, you know, random person's blog. It means people who know what they're talking about, by and large. You can check the credentials of writers, and, and you should. Uh, talk, you know, drawing on research, looking at what scholarship has to say on Palestine, Israel, or whatever other issue is being uh, reported on. Looking at what, uh, you know, uh, respected global bodies have to say, whether those are, uh, you know, NGOs and human rights groups based in the uh, relevant region that are not kind of fronts for the U.S. State Department, um, or or uh, looking at U.N. organizations, which can often be quite valuable, whatever their limitations are. So it is possible to get reliable information. It just uh, requires identifying quality sources. And once a person uh, has a sense of, uh, or, or maybe even a system for doing that, it doesn't have to be such a Hercule- Herculean undertaking. Uh, excellent answer. Uh, we've got about three minutes left. I wonder what you would say to people uh, in North America in particular who are interested and concerned. Should they be working on media reform or media activism? Should they be supporting uh, boycott divestment sanction campaigns or flotillas to Gaza? Or uh, is there hope in the International Court of Justice or the International Criminal Court? What, where should people be putting their efforts? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I don't have a huge amount of hope for things like the International Criminal Court. Um, I, I think, I mean, just because frankly, their, you know, record has been one of just uh, going after basically dictators from Africa um, rather than uh, coming anywhere near the crimes associated with Western powers, uh, which Israel sort of de facto is since it's kind of the 51st state. Um, however, I would say that there is, you know, tremendous reason for hope in movements for, uh, for uh, you know, BDS, certainly, uh, and on the media side for uh, independent media, for, um, uh, for, you know, media reform, I think, at, at the very minimum, can do a little bit of harm reduction in terms of trying to... Uh, keep under control uh, the uh, you know the the tendency towards convergence and conglomeration that we see in so much of our mainstream media. So yeah, it, what I, I think there's fantastic reasons for hope, many reasons for hope in uh, what's going on in independent media, and you know there's there's a real flourishing of that that's happening. Uh, in, in recent years, um, and the BDS movement um, has made a lot of impressive gains, uh, not only in 
uh, winning resolutions at uh, unions, faith groups, campuses, uh, and such institutions, but also just in shifting the public consciousness. And I think that we're seeing in polls among younger people in particular um, in North America, we're seeing a real uh, increase in support for Palestinian rights. And so that's because of of all the work that's been done on it. So I I think, you know, whatever city a listener is in, there's probably a, a... BDS or Palestinian rights organization that they can plug into. And if there's not, start one up. We've been speaking with That's Greg Shupak. Uh, the book is The Wrong Story, Palestine, Israel, and the Media. Greg, thank you so much for coming on Talk Nation Radio. Thanks for having me. This is Talk Nation Radio. I'm David Swanson. Take action at rootsaction.org. Help end war at worldbeyondwar.org. All past shows can be heard at davidswanson.org. Talk Nation Radio is produced in Charlottesville, Virginia, and syndicated by Pacifica Network. If you are listening to a nonprofit station, please support that station. Talk Nation Radio is funded by contributors at davidswanson.org. There is no way to peace. Peace is the way. Until next time.